What's up, guys? It's your boy Aaron. Welcome to Truth Serum Podcast, a podcast of Crossover Bible Fellowship. In today's episode, we will develop into the topic of oversaved. Too many times we run into individuals who are oversaved. In other words, they have a list of additional rules to follow in order for people to stay saved. We will dissect legalism or dependence on moral law rather than on personal faith. So, like I said, my name is Aaron. Welcome to the True Serum Podcast. Today, I'm joined today with my co-hosts, Joaquin, Brittany, and Nathan. Man, man, tell me how y'all been doing. I mean, we're about to reopen. Quarantine is almost over. So, uh, Brittany, like, how you been doing? I've been doing good. Um, I think on the last episode, I mentioned how I have a new puzzle. I have yet to start it. Um, <laughs> the 2000 pieces are intimidating me. So I've been staying busy, uh, trying out new hobbies and old hobbies too. Okay. Okay. That sounds cool. Hey, I like puzzles, but I have not done one in a while. So once you, once you're done, please take a picture so we can see, uh, Joaquin, man, how you been doing? Tell us how you been doing, man. Man, I've been doing good, man. My, uh, my Clippers came in. So, you know, I yeah. feel, I mean, I didn't really, haven't really tried anything yet, but but I did do a little shaving here and there, so man, that's okay. a lot. You know, my my you know, the hairs on my nose are like touching the hair on my mustache now, so that feel so that's pretty feeling pretty good. Also, man, my uh, yeah, I mean, hey, it gets on your nerves, you know. So, but anyway, true. man, um, I had to send my surface broke, man, so I had to go to UPS today and actually mm-hmm. send it off back to Microsoft. So they're going to be sending me another surface really soon. So I'm gonna, and what I'm gonna is the surface? Uh, it's basically my, you know, tablet slash lax, uh, laptop and that, that broke. I accidentally dropped it, you know, so, but I'm going to be getting a new one soon. So, hey, praise God for that. hey, praise God. UPS is open. You're able to get that computer fix. Hey, yeah. we need that. We need yeah, that. Man. I need it for hey. school. <laughs> hey, school. <laughs> oh, definitely. Hey, we're praying about you. Yeah. You know, hey, we know he's a seminarian. So uh we're definitely praying for Joaquin as he's in seminary. Man, Amen. Nate, uh, you. how you been doing, bro? Oh no, I've been doing good. Um, as you all know, or may not know, so let me say, uh this quarantine, I've been fairly busy, so it's not like the quarantine has affected my level of activity at all. So yeah, I've been busy with quite a few things, but um, yeah, they are opening up the city again, city of Houston, and they say wear a mask. I personally think we need to give it some more time because there's been other states to open up, and then they saw a rise in cases mm-hmm. of COVID. But but again, it's just a dilemma people are facing. They're like, do we play it safe or do we try to save the economy? So right, right. But um, so yeah, just trying to be um intentional and prayerful with my actions and. You know, get acclimated to you know trying to get back to life how it was prior to this, but I don't know if it'll ever exactly be the same. But yeah, yeah. Nevertheless, we're trying to come out of it. Man, I'm glad you're doing good, and uh, we just want to preference as a true serum podcast and make sure you're social distance. Uh, please be wise as the Houston and also you know the states and cities are reopening because we want you all to be safe. Uh, we want you all to keep your family safe and others safe. So uh, with that, I've definitely been doing good, guys, um, trying to work. Um, working has been different every single day. But um, honestly, it's been it's been good. I'm just grateful for a job. I'm trying to get another certification, trying to work on that. That has been difficult uh, with different things open and I can't turn in 
um, certain things at certain dates. So, man, that's pretty much what I've been doing. And I've just been, hey, hanging with y'all, man. Uh, so, uh, hey, it's good, it's good to be here, man. But today we're going to be talking about this thing oversaved. So, like, when I was a kid, probably about a year after I was saved, around 17, um, the, the youth leaders had put together a Bible study at my church. So they told us, you know, invite a friend, invite your family out. And I was like, cool, no problem. So, you know, young enthusiasm, you know, zealous for the Lord. And literally I went to it. Turns out they were having this video Bible study about, you know, living for Christ. So I was like, no problem. I'm down for it. Um, But one of the major topics that came out of it was what type of music I should be listening to and what music can, can I listen to and what music should I not be listening to? Um, they continue to speak on on that, like some rap and hip hop artist group I should and should not listen to. Like and even and even with this, they were laser focused on the R&B group Earth, Wind and Fire. Now, growing up, um, I listened to a lot of old school and R&B because I was in my dad's car. That's all we listened to. So I love Earth, Wind and Fire. But yeah. in this particular Bible study, they were definitely looking at. You know, the different lyrics, they were, they were looking at the CD covers. They were like, man, like, they're not of God. Like, if you listen to it, basically, you're like... Earth, Wind, and Fire? Earth, Wind, and Fire. You know, that's, oh. that's my jam. That's my jam. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. My bad, Josh. It's okay. It's a classic. <laughs> that's what I'm saying, guys. Like, I was really... Like when I heard that, like I shouldn't be listening to it. Like I was like, you know, a year after I'm saved, I'm like, hold on. I'm confused. Mm. I'm concerned and I'm worried because I'm like, is something wrong with my faith if I do listen to it? Is my faith like, and, I, and then I'm thinking about my faith is something wrong with my commitment to God? Am I like not committed uh, mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. is like what's going on with me? So I was definitely confused, worried, and then felt condemned. Like, because I listened to it. And so, but as I grew up in the faith, I just realized music nor anything else had to do with my salvation or even staying saved, right, in in particular. And we'll have an episode on that coming up. Now, with this, but it just made me ponder. It made me ponder on why do individuals even do this in the first place? Why do they put rules and regulations on me as a believer, knowing that I have liberty in Christ? So, I just want you all to um, tell me your thoughts. Why why do some believers promote a standard of behavior that exceeds the Bible? So, um, Brittany, man, can you let us know what your thoughts on that, Brittany? Well, number one, I think that some of this some of this is inward, um, like mm-hmm. it comes from out of us to feel that we need to do more, that mm-hmm. the gospel can't quite be true as the Bible says, um, that I'm saved by grace through faith in Christ, there's got to be a catch. There's got to be something I have to do. Um, and I think it makes us even feel a little better to feel like we have a little bit of a little bit to contribute. Like I kind of, I helped out, you know, Jesus did something really great, but I helped out. I mean, I made it even better. So (laughs) I think that that's kind of the, a lot of the erroneous thinking. And then I think it comes from the outside too, that like, imposing things like just like uh, so many people from that bible study you went to they went out and told somebody else the same thing so mm-hmm. <laughs> it's also mm-hmm. learned no nah, I, I totally i totally agree man uh joaquin what's your thoughts on that 
Why do some believers promote a standard of behavior that exceeds the Bible? Um, I don't necessarily think it exceeds the Bible. I just think that, you know, a lot of times, because let's be real, like, like if we're talking about legalism, a lot of times legalism comes out of a commitment to God, right? Agreed. You know, that's where it basically starts. You know, somebody, you know, God saves someone, you know, uh, not by their own strength, of course, but they get saved. They're very passionate about what the word of God says. And honestly, nothing's wrong with that. The problem comes when, you know, someone basically tries to monitor your walk by their walk. Like they'll basically start to say, hey, you know, you're not where I am and you know where I am. And you don't really necessarily care much about, you know, about the Bible than I do. So, you know, so therefore we try to hold you to a standard you know, that, you know, that you might have gotten to somewhere, you know, a lot quicker than this other person has gotten to, but you aren't there, like that person isn't there yet. So you come off a bit judgmental, mm-hmm. you know, uh, when it kind of, you know, when it comes to where you are about, you know, your walk. And so now it's like, you need to come up where I am mm-hmm. versus actually helping somebody to come up to where God is. And if you're trying to get up to where God is, you know, you, you, you're going to automatically know that you, you never know nothing. Mm. You never know nothing. <laughs> and that's a seminarian saying something. Hey, that's real. No, for real though. Because I mean, no, that's, I, mean yeah. I mean, we talked about in the pre-show, right? And I mean, I know something you were saying, you want to explain a little bit what we were talking about in the pre-show, going to seminary and like maybe even growing in your faith and knowing about the word and how that sometimes change your perception on different things. Yeah. Like um, going to seminary, you know, you learn a lot of different things, um, a lot of stuff. And, you know, you're going to know more than the average Joe. You, 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 I mean, naturally, you just are. Um, I was talking to Pastor Blake about this a couple of uh, a couple of days ago. And one of the things that he said was he had a professor that taught in seminary. And he was like, asked the question is like, you know, how many uh, just, you know, how many times or how many people do you know? Uh, that maybe let's say goes to like a Bible church and is taking the class hermeneutics, which is basically our art and science of studying in the Bible. That's what her- hermeneutics is. And so you take that class and you take a couple of Bible classes. Man, he said he said his professor says that you already know ninety five percent more than the regular layperson that's at your church. And then let's say you mess around and get a bachelor's or a master's degree. Like you're not even really on this planet, and if you mix around and get like a bat, like a uh, like a doctorate degree, you're just basically you know like not even in this galaxy. You see what I'm saying? So like you know, so a lot of times, especially people with with book a lot of book knowledge, you know uh, that knows a lot of different things, like from seminary, people can kind of take what they learn in seminary. And then go back to like the lay person and say, hey, you know, you need to come up where I am because I've learned all of this stuff at seminary. But, you know, then Pastor Blake said something to me that was really, really good. He says, so compare all the knowledge that you have taken in seminary and now compare that knowledge to God. Mm. And this is what I mean about really at the end of the day, once you do that, you really don't know anything because God is the omniscient one who knows all things. So if he knows all things and you know just a, a little bit of minute portion of what your semin- your little seminary degree, you know, has gotten you or whatnot, then really at the end of the day, you know, you're trying to get people to come up to where you are and not, and not really show enough grace 
to allow people and give people room to come up to where where God is. Um, and so uh, and, and I think, man, that's that's really the biggest thing. I know even for myself being married, you know, learning a lot of different things. I had to learn how to give my wife some room to grow when it comes to the stuff that I've learned. Because um, because naturally, you know, when you learn something and you're passionate about something, so I don't want to just blame the legalist, you know what I'm saying? But when you're passionate about something, you tend to go hard at it, you know? And you, know, you, you want to go hard at something that you're passionate about. But the problem is, is that, you know, we, we, we take what we want to go hard at and we forget a, we forget that God showed us the exact same grace that we need to show to someone someone else. So um, so that's really uh, that's that's really that's what that's what we talked about in our pre show deal. So, mm-hmm. nah, I think that's so true, man. Um, Nate, man, what's your thoughts on this? Like, give me your thoughts on this. <laughs> yeah, nah. Um, no, honestly, again, just getting back to the question that was posed, it was, you know, why do why do some believers promote a standard of behavior that exceeds the Bible? Meaning, why do they want you to act holier than thou, or why do they want you to act more than even what the Bible tells you what to do? But that's what we're getting into. No, for me, I think and believe that uh, we've grown up in a society that is very formulaic, uh, meaning that you know, if you do A, B, and C, you get one, two, three. If I do these things, I get a result. Hey, if I go to work for this many hours, I get paid this thing. If I obey my parents for a period of time, they'll give me this thing I want for Christmas, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and the list goes on. We just, we tend to get very formulaic and that's okay because we're creatures of habit, but sometimes that same mentality and those habit building ideals that we came up with, it creeps over into what we believe. And what I mean by that is we tend to say, God, I've done A, B, and C. I'm here. Mm-hmm. Or I've done these things. I should get this reward. And that's a, that's a dangerous mentality to have because in a sense, you start feeling that you deserve things or that you're at a certain level and you start to forget about grace, mm-hmm. meaning that you know, hey, you're getting outside of like, God let you into the family. You've already done enough to not be included in the family. God let you in. But for whatever reason, we, we're just very formulaic. I did this, God, so I should have this result. That's kind of sometimes our mentality. Mm-hmm. No, I agree. I agree with that. And I think also when you talk about, you know, why do some believers promote a standard of behavior that exceeds the Bible? Um, why do, why is all these rules and these regulations? I think it's honestly sometimes it's just a lack of knowledge or under, even understanding of maybe even the law and grace, um, lack of understanding when it comes to salvation and what it, what it, what it even means to be saved. Um, and I think sometimes when you have that, it just and when you and when you have a lack of understanding in that, it just I mean, sometimes it creates this. And I don't think they do this on purpose, because honestly, I think. Like Joaquin said, it comes from a commitment to God and they really want to be committed to God. However, I think sometimes their zealousness goes on other people. And because of this, they put they try to put their righteousness on other people instead of growing with somebody and allowing them to grow into um, and be transformed into the image of God. So with that, we just want to also look at look a little deeper into the problem. And so we want to look at how do we define legalism? Um, and so we, we want to define legalism like this. Someone who bases its identity in spiritual living on one's performance. 
one who gives rules power that, that it does not have. And I think even with legalism, sometimes you think the following the following the rules and regulations make you better with God outside of grace. And so when we talk when we talk about legalism, guys, we just want to make sure we give a, a definition. But with that, we want to give a balanced view of legalism and godly responsibility when it comes down to this. So, Joaquin, man, when we talk about legalism and godly responsibility, man, what are your thoughts on that? So, so for instance, like a lot of times when you talk about legalism, right, you have a point where you have the legalist from the from the legalist point of view. It's saying, hey, I have, you know, I'm trying to achieve God's standard mm-hmm. and, you know, but I'm trying to achieve God's standard only through my own, only through my own ability, right? Mm-hmm. My, my own, my regular own ability. So a lot of times because of legalists and other things, people push their human standard on someone else, right? And so that other person that receives that standard gets probably maybe offended or they, or you might, you might make them feel a certain way um, because, you know, you, you kind of come at them with a, with the idea that I'm perfect and you're not, you see what I'm saying? Like, like there's that, there's this idea that I'm perfect, that you're not, that the other person, the standard that you're trying to push off on that person, that's how that person may feel. Because when you come at a person like that, you know, it makes, it makes that other person feel like, you know, you're, holier than thou, as people would say. But on the flip side of it, right, we can't, the other person on the other side also has to be able to recognize that, you know, it's up to us as believers to be able to hold people accountable also for, for you know, for what they do. So like, here, here's what I'm getting at. I can't necessarily just say, just come to you. Let's say, you know, you, you out there, you just wilding, you know, you wilding in the street. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I come to you, you know, <laughs> wilding, you know what I'm saying? You in wilding the in the street, in the street, out there. So like you wilding in the street and I come up to you and say, hey, man, you know, you should really stop this. You know what I'm saying? It's not not from a legalistic standpoint, but honestly, like, you know, because I really care about you. I really care about, you know, the way that your life is going. I really care about, you know, care about where, how you're going to react to certain things. But sometimes, you know, that person may get offended but that person on the other side also has a responsibility, you know, to be able to understand that you there are certain things that you have to be able to do to to, to conform to what the word of God says. So um, so here's so like I know we're going to get into this later on. But, you know, Proverbs seven even talks about how, like, you know, if you correct the wise man, he will be wiser, you know, wiser and more you know, wiser even more. And so, um, you know, there's still a responsibility on on the on the other side of it is like, hey, I should be able to, as a brother and sister, come to you and, you know, in grace, you see what I'm saying? In grace, all, all, all the time in grace, I should be able to come to you um, and correct you in your stuff or whatnot. And we should be able to have a, a decent conversation. And you should you or even me. Um, because I've been corrected also should be able to grow and become even more wiser, you know, um, based on that, based on that correction. So like, you know, there's still a responsibility on the person who's getting corrected on that particular side, you know, uh, to be able to make sure that that person isn't going all crazy because, or, you know, feeling all offended, you know, because somebody actually, um, you know, you know, corrected you. 
And the same yeah. thing goes for the legalist. You see what I'm saying? The legalist needs to always be in a position to show grace and allow room for people to grow. No, I, I definitely agree with that. No, with that. No, that's awesome, Joaquin. Man, and also, like, when I talk about, like, why is legalism a problem for the believers? Because when you talk about someone putting their standard of righteousness on somebody else instead of God's standards of righteousness, it's kind of like it's, it's a little bit of pride because, honestly, they have a high view of themselves and a low mm-hmm. view of the work of Jesus Christ. And I think that can be very, very toxic because it's, it's I mean, it's almost like the fall. I mean, it's even before the fall. You know, Satan had a high view of himself. So I think um, I think that could be very, very toxic. And uh, yeah, with that. Now, Brittany, what are your thoughts on this when, we, when we're defining legalism? What are your thoughts on this? So I I agree with 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 most of what I've heard. And I do think that maybe there are kind of two different aspects, because Joaquin brought up a person who is committed to God's word and mm-hmm. is imposing God's word as it is on people, but from in a non-biblical way, in a way that's not grace oriented. And that says, I'm a traveler just like you. I'm learning this just like you. We're on the same journey. Nobody's better. Nobody's worse. Um, And then on the other hand, there are, there are many of us who create additions. You know, we like take a good biblical principle and then say, all right, here are the five steps for what that looks like. Um, for example, like Christians are to be wise about their time. Like we kind of learn throughout Proverbs that there's wisdom in how we use our time. We learn from Jesus that what we reap is what we sow. So the the life, the what we put in is what we get out of our lives. And if we put in hard work in one area or another, we'll get out the fruit of that. But then there are people who would say Christians are to be wise with their time. Therefore, you really shouldn't watch Netflix. Mm. They got pure flicks though. Pure flicks is out there. You can watch as much pure flicks as you want. But I'm kidding. But like, just this, you know what I mean? Like, there's a way to impose something like, no, God didn't actually say Mm -hmm. that Netflix is not okay. It's true being wasteful, being a bad steward of your time, that's a problem. But for me to Mm -hmm. say, Joaquin, you watch Netflix? Ooh, see. Look, and how many hours? Oh, see, look, you were supposed to be you supposed to be doing something else, something useful. And so I think that's like an example of how someone can take something good. Being mm-hmm. a good steward of your time in your life is a good thing. Me mm-hmm. telling you exactly how to do that is not always good. Um, mm-hmm. Now, just like you said, I can lovingly come to you and say, "Girl, did you tell me you was on Netflix for ten hours yesterday?" <laughs> You know, I just have a feeling God has just something better for you to be doing for 10 hours. <laughs> like you did that the day before too. So like, there's like a way to to encourage somebody and even to correct somebody that comes from, from a different place that doesn't tell you like, look, I made this, this guideline for how to spend your time. The very first 35 minutes of your day needs to be reading the Bible. After that, you need to spend 15 minutes in prayer. After that, you go to your work. Before you work, you better pray. Okay, because Christians are supposed to pray at all times. Once you start doing your work at your lunch break, pray. I'm not talking about over your food for your coworkers. God tells us to pray for everybody. Let prayers and petitions be made for all men. So I think that's <laughs> that's what I think of when I think of legalism, just this like structure that doesn't incorporate the freedom that we have in Christ. Mm. Freedom to use our lives well or not. And freedom to 
freedom to walk on and figure out what it looks like. No, I, I agree. And um, Nate, can you kind of help us out? Because I know we've been talking about legalism, godly responsibility. But I mean, on the other side, we, we know we definitely have grace, um, God's you know unmerited favor. Um, so, man, can you kind of help us out with that as we're balancing this out? Yeah, as we've been talking about quite a few things uh, and people have been asking some good questions as well. But, you know, just want to bring up the instance of, you know, we're talking about legalism versus godly responsibility. And grace is a part of both. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we also don't want to confuse uh, legalism, godly respons- responsibility, and maturity. Mm-hmm. A quick example. That's good, um, of course, when I was younger, uh, my mother never like forced us to go to church, at least when I got to a certain age. But sometimes she did. She'd be like, you're going to church. <laughs> and you just, you know, you get you get picked up and you're going to you church. You the church. <laughs> but other times, she didn't like force us. However... There was a time when I was younger where she made me go to church. You're like, I'm not mm-hmm. going to leave you at home. You are going, right? Um, as I got older, um, I go to church. Be- also because I see the purpose of it. Also a little bit of a little bit of habit, just to be honest. So, but the scripture does say that we should not forsake the assembling of ourselves together in Hebrews 10. So, yeah, there's biblical reference to support that. But at the same time, Everything I've said is, in that example, just to kind of bring it home, is godly responsibility is Hebrews 10, 24. We should be gathering together to go to church. We should mm-hmm. not forsake gathering together. So that's church, that's Bible study, that's just getting together for fellowship. The list goes on. Maturity is my mother used to drag me to church, but now I go on my own. I have my own faith. I have my own belief. I've trusted good, God amazing. for myself. I'm going, I'm going on my own accord. Legalism would be, I went to church five times this week. You didn't go at all. I'm beating mm-hmm. you. Or mm-hmm. I feel some everything. type of way because I am going to church more often. Mm-hmm. I'm a drug baby. Mama drugged me to church. We was at church <laughs> you know, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, break on Thursday, Friday, uh, Saturday for the revival, Sunday, you know, multiple services. And then you feel some type of way because you like, I've gone to church this much, mm-hmm. right? Thinking that the actions that you take is, I guess you could say, giving you extra credit with God. That's different from God showing everybody grace, unmerited favor, right? You didn't do anything to deserve God's favor. But there are some t- things that if you do out of obedience, you do make God smile. Mm-hmm. That's different from what we're talking about, right? Mm-hmm. That's you're doing something to please God, and in a sense, you're representing Him well, right? Right. Versus you're doing something uh, with wrong motives to make yourself look the best, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And that's a little bit of what we're talking about and the differences between uh, everything that we've been saying thus far, at least from what I can see. Yeah. And Brittany, do you want to add anything you want to talk about when we talk about grace? Uh, You know, I think at least the thing that I wanted to bring up was about grace in the grace in sanctification. Okay. Um, And I know that this this particular topic is not really something that I talk about from a place of mastery. Not that we have any topic that we've mastered that we talk about on this podcast. But this is like one of those things that I very regularly have to remind myself about like daily. Um, And so when I think about. When I think about rules, um, I'm going to take it back. 
So sanctification, <laughs> grace plays a really important role in sanctification and in obedience for the Christian. When you're outside of Christ, there you aren't you aren't activating that same grace to do the good things that you do. Whatever your motive is, whatever your strength is, it's not the grace of God. And so to be in Christ is to have the strength and grace of God to do and to follow and to to be formed, kind of like what Joaquin was saying, to be developed, to be mature, that Christ Christ has sanctified us and is sanctifying us, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's it's technically complete and being completed. But I think I can get a little tripped up when when I'm thinking that my performance mm. is, is making me into who God wants me to be. And it's yep. making God pleased with me when in reality, God, have, I mean, I love, 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 like work out your salvation with fear and trembling for it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Like God himself is causing me to desire and carry out his will. It's not Brittany working in Brittany to do God's will and, and to want to. Um, and so I think for me, that's the beauty of it. Um, and Paul, who had what the other people of his time would have called a spotless moral record, basically denounced all of that and considered it to be utterly worthless, unhelpful, um, mm-hmm. so that he could be found in Christ and have a righteousness, a rightness with God a goodness from God that comes from faith in Christ. Um, and just, yeah, I mean, I think that's, that's something that's pretty revolutionary and something that we all know, but not necessarily take to heart. Mm-hmm. No, that's good, Brittany. Thank you for that. And so as we talk about, as we talked about legalism, we talked about God and responsibility, but also the grace that God gives us now, we want to also look at what are some current thoughts within our culture when it comes to legalism, when it comes to, you know, what are people saying? Um, as, I've, as I've said in the beginning, um, I've had individuals say, you know, there's certain type of music that I listen to. I can't listen to all type of music. If I want to listen to Lil Baby, like Lil that, that's <laughs> Lil Baby. You know <laughs> like if I want to listen to it, like I've had individuals say like, nah, like, you shouldn't be listening to it. You're a believer. Um, <laughs> I'll bring up another topic. Uh, we'll maybe dive more into the Q&A. I've had individuals say, you know, I can't be drinking. I can't be drinking the devil's liquor. You know, hey, I, I can't be drinking. <laughs> I don't want to drink his either. <laughs> <laughs> but like, honestly, I've had these things said to me. And I think something that Joaquin said um, earlier, and I think he alluded to this. I think another thought in our culture is like legalism thrives in comparison. It, it thrives when I compare my own thing to some something somebody else. So, uh, guys, uh, tell me your thoughts. I know Brittany. I know you have some thoughts on the current culture, and the, so what are your th- current thoughts on the culture today when it comes to this? Um, you know, I think that I remember like <laughs> before before I moved back to Houston. One really common example. Uh, that I would hear about. And when I say like thoughts on the culture, I really do think, oh, okay. First of all, I really do think that legalism itself is something for religious people, not a religious people. So like, I think that there would, we would see more of this um, for people who, who 
our adherence to some sort of religious faith in general. Um, and I think that only Christianity like has the antidote, you know? Um, but what's interesting to me is that as believers in the body, one thing that I see myself and others imposing on people that's not bad is quiet time. And I had a, a pastor um, from the church I was at before who would really like to bring up this example when studying the book of Galatians. Because generally mm-hmm. we think, oh, you're a Christian, you don't have quiet time. You, you could might not even be saved. Um, mm. So you don't. Mm. Okay. And so, I mean, I guess what was interesting about that is that quiet time has a history. It's not, it's not a timeless thing. It hasn't always existed. People have always meditated on the word of God. People haven't always had a quiet time. And so I think that's like one of those things to, I mean, I think we get afraid uh, when people really live in freedom, we get afraid, but like Galatians tells us what to do with freedom to use our freedom. Uh, Galatians, what is it? It's 514. You are called to freedoms only. Don't use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love, serve one another. So we know what the purpose of our freedom is. It's not so that I can indulge whatever I want, um, but the reality is that we have it and we should use it. It's good to use it. And God tells us how to use it. So that's like one really, really interesting example to me. Yeah. And just to kind of piggyback on that, I know one thing we talked about um, as we were going through the first Corinthians Bible study with Pastor Blake, he talked about liberties. Um, That is a great, great, great Bible study. If you have not listened to that, I would go into the app. And when, as as Pastor Blake is talking about liberty, some of the things that we're actually, you know, that's in our culture, he talked about actually during that time. And we'll mm-hmm. dive in a little bit deeper uh, when it comes to that. But if you want to if you want to know more about liberties and, you know, the liberties that we have and how we should how we should use our liberties to, you know, love our brother, not to make our brother stumble like that. That's definitely a good Bible study um, to have. I know, uh, Joaquin, do you have any um, thoughts or about our culture this today? Um, I just think as far as with our culture, man, um, you know, there's a lot of different things that we always say that we can't do. Like you shouldn't smoke or, you know, man, uh, you like, you know, cigarettes or you shouldn't, you know, um, smoke weed or, you know, in, or anything of, of that nature. And a lot of times, man, you know, in our culture, you know, because we kind of live off of a kind of like what Nathan was alluding to, we live in a merit based society. Right. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, whatever's good, what, what it, what is good is my accomplishments, my achievements, you know, that's what, that, that is what's good. You know, um, uh, I think, uh, man, Doxa, I'm a group out of Philadelphia, you know, uh, well, I believe, um, they're the, uh, music ministry at Epiphany Fellowship, uh, in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, man, they have a song, you know, called, um, Nail My Glory. And man, um, you know, one of the things that they talk about in the song is, is that, you know, not by, you know, not pretty much not my will, but your will be done, mm-hmm. you know, because, you know, whatever, whatever my accolades are, whatever accomplishments or achievements I have, just like Brittany was saying, I believe that was in um, Philippians three, you know, Paul said, I counted all law to the surpassing, you know, uh, glory of what Christ or what Christ has brought. I'm probably paraphrasing that like a mug, but forgive me if I am. Um, but, um, but uh, it's, it's in Philippians three, as Paul counts it all rubbish, um, um, based on everything that he's that, that he's accomplished. 
because it's nothing compared to what God to what God has brought. So, man, um, so I think in our culture, you know, we live merit based. You know, it's it's always about, hey, like you're doing good if I continue to climb the ladder. And that merit based society or that cultural instance basically shifts over into what in, into the into the whole um, idea of what, you know, what God has brought for us here, you know, in, in Christianity. And it's, and it shifts over or sifts over into it. And it makes it look like we have to work, you know, and be, and, you know, like we have to work or whatever to be, you know, to make everything better. You know what I'm saying? So, but that's not the, but that's not the case here because there's nothing that you could have done to even save yourself. Like, you know, you can't save yourself. You know what I'm saying? So like, you know, like what makes you think, you know, if you thought that if you thought that your works would be able to help you, then, you know, then, 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 then how would you even get to the point of where you are even right now? Like, what's the point of your what's the point of Jesus if your work could save you? You wouldn't even need Jesus, mm-hmm. you know. And so uh, I think that's really the biggest. Um, I think that's one of the biggest things that I think people need to understand. People are always like, you know, like they're almost kind of like Pharisaic in their approach. They're like the Pharisees. Mm-hmm. You know, who basically comes in and basically says, hey, you should do this. But yet, you know, you you yourself, the legalist, has thoughts and certain things that you think about in your own time and, you know, in your own home that you probably do. But yet when you're out in front of other people, you have to be able to show other people that, you know, you're this holy person who never does any wrong. But like but, you know, you showing somebody that you never done wrong it's not going to help nobody because man, there are some people out there who have done wrong that may need a savior uh, so that they'll be able to recognize that savior, you know, just through your, just through, through your actions and things of that nature. So. And I think, I mean, so, the yeah. beauty of Christ is that you can be upfront and open about getting it wrong about failing that like the believers, the foundation and righteousness and identity is totally in Jesus who can never get it wrong. And I think that the same humility that it takes to come to Christ is also the humility that we have to go on with knowing that like, I didn't do this and I couldn't do this, but he's doing it for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Like, I mean, I, yeah, ahead. it's no point. It's no point of Jesus, man. If I have to be legalistic, you know what I'm saying? It's like, if, if, if I'm, if I can do everything right, then what's the purpose of me even needing Jesus? Jesus came so that, you know, not only will I be saved from the wrath of God, but I'll be saved from, you know, what my sin brings, which is the wrath of God. You know, so, I mean, but and, I get it. Yeah, and I get it. And um, I think I think this is like a good transition to now kind of mediate the culture to, to the biblical thought. And uh, I guess I'll start off, like, I always go back to, you know, we're talking about, you know, grace versus legalism. I always go back to Ephesians 2, 8, um, 8 through 10, which basically says, for we were saved by grace through faith, apart from works, that no man should boast. Like you have no, you have nothing to boast in. It is by the grace of God. And then I'll also look and also something that definitely helps me is definitely when I look at Romans 5, 6, um, it's really 9 through 11. I put 6, on, 6 through 11, but I really like 9 through 11 because it talks about how you're a sinner. It talks about how you were ungodly. It talks about who you were before Christ. However, Christ, he didn't just come for, you know, a good man, for for hardly someone with 
even die for, you know, a righteous man, but hardly like a good man. But God demonstrated his own love towards us while we were yet still sinners. So we're ungodly. We're we're sinners. Like this is all we were. There was nothing we could do. But Christ died and he loved us so much to die for us. And he saves us from the wrath of God to now be justified and reconciled to him. And so I think that's good because when we look when we look at different things that people say inside our culture, we have to recognize that it is nothing but the blood of Jesus that saves me. No, no by by no good works, by not how many times I've been to, you know, any Baptist church. It doesn't matter how many scriptures I read, how many prayers I prayed. It is by the grace of God, by God being dying, being buried and being raised on a third day. And if I believe upon that, yo, I am saved based on first Corinthians 15, one, um, one through five. So that's how I want to really start off. Um, Nathan, kind of give you your thoughts. What are some biblical thoughts when, when it comes to this topic? Yeah, the biggest thing that I would say that should be discussed as well, and we may have to do a whole another episode on this, but this whole idea of judging other people, there's a difference between looking at what God said and being like, hey, Hey man, based on the word, I'm, let me just tell you what God says, because you might not know, or you on the edge, or you're about to do something you're not supposed to do, or you're already doing something you're not supposed to do. So I'm just making you aware of what God said. I'm supposed to do that. We're supposed to uh, snatch people out the fire. We're supposed to lift up our brothers and sisters. We're supposed to bear one another's burden. We're supposed to encourage one another, exhort one another in the word. We're supposed to wash one another in the word based upon your relationship. That's supposed to happen. Um, but it's different when I guess you could say you start condemning people and or I guess I'll say it like this. Sentencing someone before they've actually done anything. Right. So, like I said, one is like a careful warning sometimes, but other times it's you need to listen to what I'm telling you. What God said, you need to listen to what I'm telling you and you need to do it a certain way. It's like, uh. Sometimes scripture is very specific. Things should be done a certain way. Other times, like, there's no specific steps to follow exactly, except for the ones that you just made up in your mind now and what you're telling me. So there's nothing wrong with correction and godly correction. But, uh, you know, again, it goes back to what you said, Aaron, done in humility and done just recognizing that I have nothing to boast out of either. I'm speaking to you as a, I can relate to you because I've done this before too. Another thing that comes to mind, and um, you know, we can talk about this is I think the scripture uh Luke 18, verses 9 through 14, where you have a Pharisee and the tax collector, and I think that scripture paints a perfect picture of what we've been talking about. It says, Two men go to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee said, I thank God I'm not like other other people, swindlers, unjust, adulterers. And even like this tax collector I see over there, you know, I fast twice a week. I pay all my tithes, you know. And then it says the tax collector some distance away. He didn't even lift up his head and he was just like, God have mercy on me. I'm a sinner. So it's like the person was even praying. The Pharisee was even praying like, I thank God I, I keep the law so well. I ain't like these sinners up in here. It's like you're, you're starting to think 
your ability to keep the legal moral law of God is giving you some type of status. And um, yeah, I think that's something that's good to, you know, read and reread just to reset our minds on where we should be in terms of, uh, you know, biblical truth in this area. Uh, thank, thank you, Nate. I know one thing we wanted to give a kind of biblical thought when it comes to correcting others. So, Joaquin, can you kind of help us out with that? Yeah. Um, just wanted to read uh, a couple of things. I'm sorry, guys. I, I know we're on the podcast, but hey, it's the scripture. So, <laughs> um, so man, Acts 15, uh, starting at verse one, I'm just going to read that. Um, so just bear with me, guys. If you guys got your Bible, definitely get it. Um, so Acts 15, starting at verse one. Some men came down from Judea and began teaching the brethren, unless you are circumcised, according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. And when Paul and Barnabas had great dissension, excuse me, dissension and debate with them, the brethren determined that Paul and Barnabas and some others of them should go up to Jerusalem to the apostles and elders concerning this issue. Therefore, being sent on their way by the church, they were passing through both Phoenicia and Samaria. Describing the detail and in, 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 in the detail of the conversion of the Gentiles, and were bringing great joy to all the brethren. When they arrived at Jerusalem, they were received by the church and the apostles and the elders, and they reported all that God had done with them. But some of the sect of the Pharisees who had believed stood up, saying, It is necessary to circumcise them and to direct them to observe the law of Moses. The apostles and the elders came together to look into this matter. Uh, Verse 7, after there had been much debate, Peter stood up and said to them, Brethren, you know that in the early days God made a choice among you, that by mouth, that by my mouth the Gentiles would hear the word of the gospel and be saved, and believe. And God, who knows the heart, testified to them, giving them the Holy Spirit, just as he also did us. And he made no distinction between us and them, cleansing their cleansing their hearts by faith. Um, and later on, Paul says, now, therefore, why why do you put God to the test by placing upon the neck of the uh, of this of the disciples a yoke which neither our fathers nor we have been able to bear? So, man, you know. Basically, uh, there's this council, um, a group of Pharisees who had become believers, ended up being saved. Uh, this is in the book of Acts, Acts 15. So, um, you know, so as they're describing this, you know, these Pharisees come up and these Pharisees are like, hey, you, you got to observe the law. And so, man, because the Pharisees back then were so concerned with how I walk based on me keeping the law. That, it, that they did not realize that, you know, it was because of what Christ has done on the cross that has saved us and basically sealed us so that we wouldn't have so that we wouldn't have to live by the law. Because anytime that we live by the law, like there's nothing that we can do. We like we're going to be condemned by it. But because of what Christ has done and him coming and saving us, we're no longer going to be judged by the law. Um, and, and that in that sense, because Christ came and died and died for us. So, man, um, the reason why I bring that up is because, man, you see that in Acts 15, the Pharisees were very legalistic in their approach. They were more so concerned with how with their walk and started saying, you guys need to do what we're doing. And basically, um, from a legalistic standpoint, that's what we're that's what we're talking about. 
But but because of the grace of God and what Christ has done on the cross, like now we're no longer we are no longer living up, um, no longer living up under the law, but under the grace of under, under the grace of God and what Christ has done. Right. So, man, I bring that up, you know, and also so so like for the legalist, I want to be able to, you know, just be able to say, hey, I understand that, you know, there are some legalists out there who are passionate about the word of God. And I understand that you have a care for people and want people to do that. But one of the things that the legalist has to do is that that person has to be able to give room and give time for people to grow. That's good. And bro. When, you know what I'm saying? And when people do, and when when the legalist doesn't do that, you know, you you basically do more damage to that person than you would by just act by by simply just giving that person the time to grow. Man, um, there's another there's another thing too. You know, like I was talking about me being in school when I thought about First Corinthians eight. You know, somewhere in in there, it basically talks about how knowledge makes arrogant, but love edifies. You see what I'm saying? So like the thing is, is that, man, the more knowledge I have or whatever I have, I have to be careful because I can become arrogant with with as much as I know. But I have to always have love at the top of that list, you know, so that I can make sure that I'm consistently and always showing grace and giving people time to grow. There's no time limit, you know, on, you know, on, on people's sanctification. You see what I'm saying? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, like, they, like, like there's no time limit on that. Like, it doesn't matter how long it may take that other person to get to, you know, or to, or to be able to get past their issues or their circumstance, you know, but, but at the end of the day, you need to understand as the legalist, you know, you need to show grace, you know, just as much as, um, just as much as God has shown you grace on the cross. Yeah. And I agree, man. I think that. I pray that free some some people right there, man. That was good. That was good, Joaquin. I just want to ask you real quick because you'll be the last one, man. Um, tell me, what are your thoughts on some biblical historical truths when it comes to this issue? Um, I, I think you had a couple things. So one thing I wanted to point out was from Galatians 2. And so in this book is, I think, the same thing that uh, Joaquin was talking about, um, that Paul is correcting um, these, these people. They become believers, but then other people start to speak into their lives about what they need to do to really be right with God, that it's not just about trusting in Jesus. And Mm -hmm. so they begin to kind of veer off and Paul doesn't take this lightly. He was very disappointed, very frustrated and says like, you guys were running well, what happened? Like who bewitched you? Who tricked you? You know? And so I think that it's something to, to be sober about understanding that being saved by grace through faith is a big deal. Understanding and believing that is a big deal. And so mm-hmm. I love the way that he breaks it down. He says, we know that a person is not justified. A person is not made right with God by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus, Jesus Christ or whatever. So we also, <laughs> we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law. Because this is the kicker, because by works of the law, no one will be justified. Come on now. And so if it depended on the law, it wouldn't happen. And it never has. That was another thing I love about this book is that it gives us the example of how, hey, look at Abraham. Yeah, he was justified. Was it because of what he was doing or was it because of uh, because of faith? 
and it was by faith. Mm-hmm. And so Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. And so when I put my trust in Jesus every day, that's what counts. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what, that is what has made me right with God. Um, and so in that space, there's so much freedom because I'm not afraid. Yes. Mm-hmm. First John talks about how um, if you're still fearful, there's no fear in love. Perfect love casts out fear. The one who fears, they're afraid of punishment. But if I put my faith in Christ, then I also know that even when I sin, I have an advocate with the Father. And so I don't have to pretend that I haven't done anything wrong like many legalists do. Just like that example in the Bible, that guy, he had a distorted view of reality. He wasn't as awesome as he thought, (laughs) you know, (laughs) and we're not either. And so when I know that I'm right with God through faith, when I know that the love of Christ has come after me, not because he was like, Brittany, I've noticed that you've been doing an awesome job. Just want to admit you into like I watched this video, this this TV show called The Good Place. I don't know if you've seen it. It's about Mm -hmm. the afterlife. Is wow, it was perfect for this episode. It is about the afterlife. People who go to the good place have done exceptionally good things in their lives. People who go to the bad place have done bad things in their lives, right? So basically the girl ends up in the wrong place. She's real bad and she ends up in the good place. And the whole show is about, you can just hear people talking about how much good they've done, how much good they've done, how much good they've done and how they deserve to be in that good place. And I love that in reality, I get to go to the good place because somebody else was good. Amen. Amen. Like, perfectly good. Yeah. And that it's it's set in stone. <laughs> yeah. Nobody's still deciding about me. Like my faith is sealed, you know? Yeah. And so praise God, hello, for a sealed faith in the good Amen. place through Jesus. Amen. <laughs> and I have confidence, you know, like I have confidence that like, God, no matter what comes today, I'm in you. I'm with you. I have more freedom to even do good things. Because Brittany, like the reality is I really should be in the bad place. Hello? You know what I'm saying? Like, like that's what I really should place. be. That's what I really deserve. That's what I deserve. I deserve. to be in the bad place. But yet, right. I'm actually going to the good place. I'm going to the good place. Because of what because of Christ had done. Girl, you better come on. <laughs> you preach, Brittany. Man. Preach. Man. Nah. And that's and that's awesome, Brittany. I think that's that's a way to end it. And so before we leave, we just want to give you some resources that helped us. Thanks, man. You know, we just wanted to go through some resources that different people have provided. Uh, at the end of every podcast, we have and present resources. These are things that you can read, things that you can listen to, things that you can watch. And we're just going to go through them. I don't remember who said what, but I'll just read some of the uh, ones that we have. Um, Saving the Save, it is a book. It's an orange book, orange and black book by uh, Crawford Loritz. I'll let... Not Crawford Loritz, his son, Brian Loritz. <laughs> Do you want to speak on that? Because Joaquin had it. He's read it multiple times. I have it, but I have not finished it. So you don't want to say anything about that, Joaquin? Um, it's a really good book. It's, it's helped me a whole lot um, because um, it, it's really a book that goes through living a life, uh, you know, understanding that, you know, we don't have to go through a life, you know, performing. Um, you know, it talks about how we live in a merit, you know, um, a merit based society. And, you know, it goes through saying that we don't have to have a we can we can basically have a performance free love. You know, um, it's a really good it's a really good book that describes, you know, us being able to just say, hey, we have a love in Christ that we don't have to perform anymore. 
you know, we can, you know, because of what Christ has done on the cross, like God is already like one of the things that he does, he goes through uh, Matthew, the book of Matthew, and he talks about how, uh, you know, um, he talks about how, you know, Jesus, who hasn't done any miracle at all. And when he gets him and John the Baptist get together in Matthew three, God says, this is my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased. Um, and, you know, he was already pleased with Christ or with Jesus was the son before he even did anything. And because we have died with Christ and because we are with Christ, like once he saved you, God was already pleased with you from the from the moment from, from the beginning of when you when you first got saved. He was already pleased with you. So I don't have to necessarily go in and do anything because Christ is already pleased with me. It's almost like, you know, my mama loved me type deal. You know what I'm saying? Uh, so like my mama loved me. So that's all that matter. You know what I'm saying? So like, man, in this book, he's basically kind of saying, hey, God loves me. And that's it. You know, but the mm-hmm. way but he does go into some stuff of the reason of why we uh, choose to do the things that we do, not out of performance based stuff, but out of what out of what you know Christ has done for us on the cross. That's why we do what we do, not, you know, to from some legalistic standpoints so that we can gain merit from God. So, like, so that's what the book was about. No, nah, I think that was a great book. That was one of the books that kind of really helped me while looking at this subject, uh, especially when it talks about that performance-free love. Um, another book that I, I would recommend is Beat God to the Punch by Dr. Eric Mason, which is talking about the grace-filled life. Um, it's a very, very, very short book, guys, maybe 50 to 75 pages. Very, very good book. It really gets to the crux. It doesn't have a lot of fluff, but it really gets to the punch, if I want to pun um, there. But um, it really talks about the graceful life that you have with Christ Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I think it's a great, great book. Um, I have a, Marquee, do, you, do you want to talk about another resource? Yeah, I have another book here. And the only reason why I'm pulling up this resource is because I know that there's been a lot of legalistic talk around this subject. But Gay Girl, Good Guy by Jackie Hill Perry. And the reason. The reason the reason why I bring this book up is because we have a lot of people in the, I guess, heterosexual club, you know, that kind of makes it feel make other homosexuals feel very, um, you know, like like they're outcasts or like they like 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 they're not created in the image of God, you know, because of the lifestyle that they've chose. But one of the things that, you know, we have to understand as believers, we have to be able to understand that. You know, God is, you know, God has created all human beings in, 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 in his image and all of us are image bearers. And because of that, you know, I want to be able to put this up there because she um, Jackie Hill Perry goes into this talking about, you know, how a lot of times church folks, you know, can definitely uh, show people, you know, um, a different type of uh, they don't show them the love of God, basically. And so, man, um, this is a really good book to really understand, you know, her journey as she, you know, um, um, as she, uh, you know, basically um, no, knew, found out who God was and knew who God was. So and from her journey uh, being um, home, home, uh, her, uh, lesbian, moving to being uh, uh, for God. So like this is a really good book for that. Okay, great. Uh, do you have any more, Joaquin? Um, yeah, I, I'm going to. Yeah, I, I was going to say um, this book by Crawford Loritz leadership as an identity uh because and it's it's really a book on leadership but i recognize that a lot of people who are in um who are in churches you know it, a lot of times legalism comes from the higher up you know from the higher up type of type of people so i want people to understand that yo like 
check this book out. This will be able to help uh, help it'll help you understand like who you should be as a leader um, and how your identity or whatnot, you know, uh, should be kind of you know, broken in a sense uh, to be able to help out other people. So um, I think this is a really good book also um, to be able to help out with um, with other people. Thank you. Um, did you all have any other resources? Yeah, I had one. Yeah. Um, it relates to something that Joaquin just said. So I want to. Um, there's a book I've read in the past by Jerry Bridges called Respectable Sins. Respectable Sins. Mm. And the uh, subtitle is Confronting the Sins That We Tolerate. And the book is just highlighting all those sins that we do all the time that we really don't think anything of. And Brittany said this earlier in the episode, the Pharisee had an attitude like he didn't do anything. It's like that's a warped perspective because there are plenty of things that you've done. You just don't realize it or you don't count them as big sins. Right. So respectable sins covers things like pride. Mm. Uh, Joaquin brought up gay girl, good God. The Bible is going to say that homosexuality is an abomination. But in the book of Proverbs, it says pride is an abomination. So in other words, homosexuality makes God just as angry as you being prideful. But you don't think about it like that because pride is a respectable sin. Mm. And uh, the book by Jerry Bridges goes into that. So that's a good resource. Um, I also want, Brittany brought this up earlier, man, I would be totally dead wrong if I didn't, you know, give you guys some scriptures to look at, man. I would definitely look at, uh, you know, first Corinthians, uh, seven, as they talk about Liberty, I would look at, uh, or excuse me, um, first Corinthians eight, starting in, starting in verse eight and just go throughout, just read first Corinthians. It'll, it'll, it'll bless you. It'll bless you. Also, um, Galatians, Paul definitely goes into uh, how we're not, you know, how the how we're not under the law anymore, how we're under the grace of God, uh, under um, under the cross. Man, um, I would um, also look at reading um, even the book of Acts. You know, just shows you that. Um, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about something else. Help me, Jesus! It just crossed my mind. Oh, uh, Romans, man, uh, I would probably look at look at reading Romans. You know, verses. Um, uh, chapter basically chapters one through like <laughs> through, through 11. Um, you know, I think, uh, you know, that definitely gives you some theological, you know, standing and ground about, you know, law and what that, you know, and, and, and how we're no longer under the law. And then Paul definitely gives some really good, uh, really, he definitely explains a lot of different things about that. So like, I think you guys mm-hmm. should really you know look into that too. It's awesome. <laughs> Brittany, did you have any nope. resources? You know, the the resource that I thought of another one too. I would go get it, but I'm not. Um, so, <laughs> so this is the one that I'm I'm still working through this right now, mm. but um so many things in it are really, really powerful and talking about the same things that we're talking about now and how how it came to be that people, many people think of Christians as either stiff um and kind of stiff, resistant, you know, like not fun people compared to like exuberant, zealous um, people who who are after like whatever God is up to. And like, it just, it really breaks down like the cause of legalism. This whole book is about legalism um, and how to understand and know and live in grace. Like I said, I haven't finished it yet. Um, there is another book called How People Change. 
Um, and this book is basically about how the gospel itself changes people. And it kind of gives this under, like it kind of explains how it's possible to have a person who sits every day in the church um, and serves God in all the ministries. Um, but the people who know him most deeply, uh, like his closest family members, see, see some incongruity uh, in his life. And how people change is by Paul Tripp uh, and Timothy Lane. So that one is a really good about good one about how to how people change. Oh, thanks, Brittany. I think that's cool. Um, and so thank you for all the resources, guys. Um, honestly, I thank you all for this podcast. Um, just those who are listening, if you have some questions, um, please put them in there because we're about to move on to our question and answer session. But before we leave, we want to thank you, everybody who's listening. We want to thank those who have listened in the past. We want to thank those who are listening now. Um, you can find us on all social media platforms, hashtag speak the truth, hashtag true serum. And we love y'all. And until next time.